now arriving. The Let's Talk Train Show. All Train show. Cool. We got a lot to head for it, but come back. North Carolina and the Great Smokes Mountain Railroad. Join us and help us make the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation better than ever. Your membership will help us further enhance our exhibits and attractions in north-central Missouri, including the Let's Talk Train Show. Our goal is to set up a museum dedicated to passenger rail history, including Amtrak, located in La Plata, Missouri. Memberships and contributions from friends like you will help us achieve this goal. For more information about the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation, membership, and opportunities available, visit our website, www.aprhf.org. That's right. The American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation is our sponsor, and we thank Bob Cox, our president. Well, I'm Shuttle Train Ted, and uh, today we're taping, or you're going to be listening to a recorded show that we've uh, recorded yesterday. Um, while we ride the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad in Bryson City, North Carolina. The Great Smoky Mountain Railroad is part of the American Heritage Railways um, operation. And, of course, our friend, um, Alan Harper, who is the president and uh, head thinker of the organization, is going to start off the show with us. Uh, Mr. Harper, welcome back to the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation's Let's Talk train show. Oh, Ted, it's a pleasure, and it's Al. Everybody calls me Al. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Al, let's let's start a little bit. Um, for those of you that have not, didn't hear our interview a couple of years, about a couple dozen, well, three or four years ago with, with Al, um, American Heritage Railways uh, is three or four different parts, one of which is the uh, organization called Rail Events Incorporated. And let's start with them. What is Rail Events Incorporated, and um, what's been going on um, with that um, group? 
Well, Relevance was created to help put families and children on historic scenic railroads throughout the United States. And and what it was really geared to do was to make sure that <coughs> excuse me, that the uh uh these railroads have an opportunity to get young people and then can have events where they can make some money and sustain their existence. We've seen too often where different services are offered to the railroads, but the railroads don't make a lot of money. And Railevent's whole goal is to have the railroads really do well, profit by these special events, and help meet their financial needs to carry on their work. And one of their big events, um, I guess you'd say the marquee event, um, is the Polar Express. Now, here in St. here in St. Louis. Um, the St. Louis Union Station Hotel uh, came up on a new owner uh, two years ago and held their first Polar, uh, uh, Polar Express, and they sold out in like 23 minutes. So Yeah, it, it was incredible, Ted. I've never seen anything like that. They had a beautiful press conference. It was scheduled for 11. They had every TV station and radio and they really put on a show. They had a reindeer there, and they had the conductor and Santa and elves and everything. And uh, they started at 11, and at 12 o'clock, they opened the reservation line. And and uh, by 12 o'clock the next day, they sold 25,000 tickets. Tell us a little bit, um, how how long have you been licensing that, uh, that Polar Express um, event? And uh, where has it come now? How far has it come? Well, we started um, eight years ago just with my two railroads. And we carried uh, maybe 20000 between the two railroads, just to give you an idea. Today, uh, this last Christmas, we had 50 railroad partners. We carried 600, excuse me, 962,000 riders to the North Pole and sold $35 million worth of tickets. So it's and, it's just fantastic. And now where are these partner railroad partners in? Are they all in the United States or where are they? Well, we extend throughout the United States, Canada and the United Kingdom. And next year, we hope to be in Sweden, Germany, and Ireland as well. We should, we're, we're now looking at 56 railroads for the 2017 season. And uh, we expect to grow ridership to about a million one riders. And how many people um, does Rail Events uh, employ uh, by itself? That, that, put, that kind of coordinates all this? Full and part-time. We have about 10, 10 people in rail events. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, of course, they travel extensively because we go to every single partner uh, railroad during the uh, operating holiday season. So we're all over the country that time of year. And what's – since you're – since I guess you've, you've got the hands on, which would you say is the – the most historic or most um, near to the story? Well, every railroad's a little different based on what facilities they have and train equipment they have. Uh, the largest operator 
Now, how close is it to the story? All of them are required to have certain elements of the story. They have to have the characters. They have to have the chefs. Uh, they have to have the hobo. They have the conductor, uh, you know, and Santa and the elves. It's all geared to the story. And the typical way it works, uh, there's a little drama where the train pulls in to where the crowd's waiting at the depot. Uh, a uh, conductor gets off, and he looks at a little boy in the crowd and says, uh, says to him, Billy, is this your name right here? And the little guy comes up and looks at the board the conductor's holding. And he said, yeah. And he said, well, this is your year. If you're going to ever believe in Christmas, this is a year you need to get on the Polar Express. And after hemming and hawing, he gets on, and they ride to the North Pole on the train, and the chefs will uh, serve hot chocolate and cookies, and the uh, Polar Express story is read to the kids in the crowd um, by Van Allsburg, the author of the book. And then once they arrive at the North Pole, of course, in Durango, for example, we have over 100,000 Christmas lights and scenery and everything. And we have laser lights, and the lights all dance to music, and it's quite elaborate. And as it leaves the North Pole, Santa gets on the train, goes through the train, and gives every child on the train the first gift of Christmas, which is a bell from his sleigh. And last year I gave away almost 700,000 bells. Uh, and while the Santa goes through the train, the chefs uh, hold a sing-along with all the Christmas carols. And it becomes just a big, big, happy, happy trip. It's really great. Now, that's, that's, that's over the Christmas holiday season. And, of course, now we're getting into Easter. Um, you also have an um, Easter beagle or something. Uh, well... Yeah, we have a contract with uh, Peanuts International, and we do numerous uh, uh, Peanuts character events. We have the Easter Beagle. We have Charlie Brown's Pumpkin Patch Express. Uh, and this year we have a whole new event that can be done anytime. It's called the Peanuts Party Express. And it's just full of games and all sorts of elements of the Charles Schutz, uh, uh comic strip. And uh, it's an exciting event, and you're going to start to see that pop up throughout the United States. Typically, um, now, who sets the pricing uh, for the event? Is it is it you, or is it the host railroads? It's actually, we give them leeway to set their pricing. So each of the railroads can set its pricing. All we do is set a minimum, which is required by the owner of the story. For example, Warner Brothers for Polar Express and and uh, uh, Peanuts International for the Peanuts character. We have a Jim Henson dinosaur train, and we have Chuggington, which is out of Lodorum, out of uh, London. Uh, they set the minimum price. But uh, we give a lot of flexibility for the individual railroad partners to be able to cover their costs, meet their needs, and make a profit. So it varies. And when, uh, say, for example, a museum or a uh, railroad, um, a, a tourist railroad wants to come in and, and set up something like this, what type of things do they need to have in order to bring that on board? 
Well, each of our licenses has a complete guidebook that tells you all the activities, all the minimum things you have to do, lots of optional things you can do if your facilities and your budget warrants it. Uh, So we have complete outlines of everything they need. Plus we have the mock-ups of all the ads for print ads, television ads, radio spots. We have it all laid out for them, so all they have to do is is put in their name and the dates of their event, and it all fits into uh, prescribed packages. So we do all the heavy work for them. Uh, They're the ones that have to actually put on the event. We also send somebody out to help set up the events. So uh, we'll have somebody there to show them what to do, how to do it, that kind of thing. And um, what's the age group have you been seeing in some of your things, you know, from infants all the way up, or do you do you uh, set do you set an age limit? Well, the whole goal of relevance is to get families, and so we have lots and lots of kids, particularly Dinosaur Train and Peanuts hits a lot of younger kids. Polar Express hits the entire family. In fact, the biggest buyer of Polar Express Polar Express tickets is Grandma, and she'll buy for her kids and her grandkids and. And uh, whether Grandpa likes it or not, he's going for a Polar Express ride. <laughs> yeah, some of my some of my friends have uh, bought tickets for their for their yeah. children and their children's children. All right, mm-hmm. well, we're going to take a break here, um, Al, and when we come okay. back, we're going to talk about another part of the American Heritage Railways, um, okay. Durango. We'll be back. This is the Association of American Railroads Audio Service with a report on the way the nation's freight railroads are building for the future. As the economy grows, so does the need to move raw materials, industrial products, and consumer goods. The vital link in that chain is provided by the nation's freight railroads. And they've taken a look ahead and determined they need to invest more than $160 billion over the next 20 years to carry their share of the load. That's in addition to the more than $200 billion it will cost to maintain the system. The good news is that railroads are already investing record sums. More than $6.6 billion, or almost 20% of revenues in 1999. That's a higher percentage of revenues put into capital improvements than any other industry in America. Railroad officials think they'll be able to increase those investments, thanks to the Staggers Rail Act of 1980, which freed them to compete in the market against each other, and against trucks and barges. They say that law has already resulted in improved productivity, lower prices to customers, and more investment. Building on that, railroads are confident they will be able to keep up with the economy's need for even more freight transportation in the future. For the Association of American Railroads, this is Tom White in Washington. Only Donner Rails brings you exclusive railroad action entertainment, giving viewers the best seat in the house as they ride with crews of expedited freight trains over the Sierra Nevada. Check out some of our hot new titles on DVD, like Cab Ride Over Donner Pass. That's good, 97 stop and stretch. See how train concepts are constructed in the famed Roseville Rail Yard. Then climb aboard an EMD SD60 freight heading east over the mighty Sierra Nevada. When severe winter storms hit the Sierra Nevada's dumping up to 35 feet of snow, look out. Here comes the flanger. Every time you go up and you're on that flanger and you can't see 
the end of the engine, it will raise the hair on the back of your neck. Catch a ride with the Flanders Night Crew and Winter Rails Over Donner. See many other titles by visiting our website at www.donnerrails.com. All right, we're back with the Let's Talk Train Show, and our guest today uh, for this segment is uh, Alan Harper, uh, otherwise known as Al. He is the president and head honcho of the American Heritage Railways. And, Al, thanks for joining us again. Tell us a little bit, if you would, um, your background in railroading and why um, your office is in Colorado, but everybody else's office is in Florida. <laughs> well, uh, actually, I was in Florida for many years, uh, for over 30 years in the real estate business. I was also on the board of directors of the state-owned Tri-Rail, which was a transit service running from Palm Beach to Miami. Uh, I was on that board for 14 years and uh, served as chairman three different terms. I was on the board of directors of the Florida East Coast Railroad, a freight railroad, considered one of the best uh, 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 railroads in the United States for its investment in its own uh, capex and so forth, and had a good turn there. Uh, long, long story short, ended up buying the Durango and Silverton Railroad and moved out here uh, and had a great run with it. It's been 18 years, hard to believe how long it's been and how fast it's gone by. Let's 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 dig into Durango a little bit. Um, it's been that long ago. When you first got it, what was the condition of the railroad and the operation there? Well, the railroad's been in great condition. Uh, Charlie Bradshaw, who saved the railroad from being torn up and and shut down, um, did a lot of the of the capital expenditures necessary to put it in good stead. So when I got there, uh, it was doing fine in the sense of of its uh, capital improvements. Uh, of course, in railroads, there's always more capital improvements. That never stops. Um, Ridership-wise, he had been doing well, but the demographic was changing. And uh, I took my first ride, and I was the youngest guy on the train. And even 18 years ago, that was old. I was in my 50s. We had no children on the train. And so I started looking at it. When I bought Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, they were doing Thomas the Tank, and I saw them in nine days attract 25,000 people, over the majority were kids. And I said, there's the key to the future. And we did Thomas for a while, but then thought we could serve the railroad industry better if we went after our own events. And uh, that's when I started Rail Events. And it, it's been a, a great ride, and uh, and I'm happy to say that that uh, the numbers of kids riding our trains and our and their our future is increasing dramatically. Tell us a little bit about the operation in Durango, um, as far as where what your buildings are. You know what do you, you know, your buildings are? What what actually the route looks like, um, and what type of cars they are. Well, almost all of our cars are from the um, 1870s and 1880s. There's a few exceptions of new ones that were built. Um, I built a glass dome car called the Silver Vista. Uh, we've done another glass dome car called the Night Sky. Those are first-class cars. Um, uh, as far as the roundhouse, 
Uh, it's in great shape. I've added, since I got here, a 10,000-square-foot museum. I call it American Heritage Cultural Museum. A lot of people just say, oh, that's Al's Man Cave. <laughs> <laughs> the museum has uh, uh, two steam engines, some rail cars. It's got uh, a 1913 airplane. It's got five or six uh, 1920s vintage cars. Uh, automobiles. It's got trucks, tractors. Uh, we've dedicated a whole area to our active duty and veteran servicemen. Uh, it's just a great, great, great venue. This year I added a display of Colorado wildlife. Of course it was mounts, uh, but every kind of wildlife there is. And they were all donated. And I think they were donated by wives who told their husbands, I want that out of my house. <laughs> and uh, I have a great display of elk and deer, mountain lions, bears, every kind of wildlife you can imagine that's in Colorado is in the museum. So it's it's a spectacular place. Uh, our car shop and, and engines, engine facilities and machine shop are probably the best in the United States for for working on steam engines. It's really, really terrific. Do a lot of P- uh, places send you other equipment to work on because you're you guys are so knowledgeable honestly we don't have time you know i have uh uh 10 steam engines i keep six operating at all times uh by the time you do the 1472 inspections and running them in and out uh you know we we work three shifts particularly in the summer so we really don't have time to do a lot of outside work um and I didn't mention when I gave you that summary, too, I didn't mention our route. Uh, National Geographic says it's the number one train ride in America, both historically and scenic. So uh, our route is spectacular, but it's also, in the wilderness, very difficult to maintain. And so we have a tremendous force that works the maintenance away. And then I have uh, all my maintenance away. People are trained as firefighters. Because through the forest, and it's so dry in Colorado, we always have to worry about fire. And I even fly my, uh, I've, I charter a firefighting helicopter that I run for two months during the summer, during the peak of our, our heat season. So it's, a, it's an ex- exciting business. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, it sounds like it. Now, when you, you know, you talk about all the the the, the issues with the fire season last mm-hmm. year, and you know, the this winter, I don't know what the snow. I don't know if this, there's been much snow up in the mountains. But you only in the winter time, you only go halfway up, right? So, That's right. The snow gets too deep high up in the in in the canyon going up to Silverton. That last canyon can get as much as 40 feet of snow, and we just can't keep it open. So we go to Cascade and generally leave around 9:45 in the morning and get back around three o'clock, and uh, gives a really nice experience in the winter and and uh, a lot of beautiful snow. Uh, we had a lot of snow, and then now we've had summer all of a sudden and. They tell me we're going to get another snow before the real spring sets in in a few weeks. So we'll yeah. see. And, of course, this weekend here in North Carolina, we're experiencing a record rainfall. Um, I drove yeah, I, I, I guess a lot, of, a lot more water to come. <laughs> I, drove, I drove here from, in a, in a uh, rain from St. Louis, from where our, our home is, Thursday. Mm-hmm. We, we, drove, we drove in a pretty much all the way rainstorm, all the way to... Uh, North Carolina. Tell us a little bit about the the railroad and its employees and how they are 
um, civic servants and civic uh, response, their civic responsibility to the communities that they serve around that on your line. Well, and uh, we are so totally committed to being good neighbors. Uh, we purposefully donate to any of the charities that any of our employees are involved in. We try to support them and what they think is important. We also are very uh, much devoted to clean air and a good a good ecology. And uh, even though we burn coal, we're considered a hundred percent. Uh, a clean railroad, a green railroad, because of our efforts uh, at uh, reducing particulates in the air. Uh, we've reduced our particulates by 60% since we bought the railroad. And in addition to that, we have uh, planted 2,867 trees so far to eliminate all of our CO2 output. And uh, uh, we worked with 170 property owners, businesses, and the electric company to buy carbon credits to erase all the impact of our steam engines. So we are considered 100% green. We're not hurting the ecology whatsoever, and we're very proud of the efforts that our people have done here. And how is the um, the communities that you serve uh, reciprocating back to the railroad? Well, a good part of it is the the mere fact that 170 of them actually adding 10% to their electric bills just to help us uh, be 100% green. So, I mean, that's just a sign of how the community community feels about it. We're very well supported. Uh, you know, when I bought the railroad, they'd get six, eight letters a week complaining about the train. I don't think I had a single letter last year. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, a committee that works with the the community. Uh, we started an action group in the community that includes homeowners from all around, and they all uh, support us and, and talk about how we can improve and be better. And we have a hotline if somebody has a complaint. And uh, uh, we had only uh, four people use the hotline last year, and and three of them are from the same lace. Says, a little looks a little smoky today. What can you do? And we go out and check our scrubbers and make sure the engines are being run properly. So uh, it, it's a good relationship. Our community and and the train get along very well. Well, we're gonna we're gonna save the your second property where we are, the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, for the last segment because we want to take it. But you have um, currently you're you're working with. Um, a new um, and exciting place that our our special our guest host from um, the Seattle area is very familiar with the Mount Rainier Scenic Railroad. How we're tell, we're very excited. That is going to be a spectacular railroad. It is great. T- tell us a little bit about how that is all. How, first of all, how that came to be. Um, mm-hmm. You're interested. You're you're interested in, in uh, taking taking over this railroad and uh, where the negotiations are, are are at this moment. Well, it was really interesting. I had no intention of buying another railroad. I, I think the two railroads I have and relevance and a new hotel that we're working on uh, uh, keep me busy enough. I actually was out at Mount Rainier Railroad to speak with the board of directors there about doing Polar Express. They haven't been making money, and they needed more activity, and I was going to help them with a polar and add ridership. During my sales pitch to the board, the one donor, it's a not-for-profit with one donor, 
he's 90-something years old. He said, Al, I want you to buy my railroad. And I said, I'm not buying railroads. I'm here to talk about Polar Express. And he said, well, I really want you to buy my railroad. And nothing really came of it other during the meeting. I learned that his children want nothing to do with the train. And in, right out in the meeting said, Dad, when you're gone, I'm getting rid of this train. I don't want it. I don't want to deal with it. And uh, it was sort of sad to see that dynamic between the father and the son. So about a month later, the owner called, you know, the major donor uh, called me and said, what should buy the railroad? And I said, I can't do it. Uh, just It's just not something. I've, I've put a lot of money into a historic hotel I'm rebuilding in Silverton, Colorado, and I just don't don't have the money. He said, what if I give you the railroad? And I said, well... Uh, the price is right, unfortunately, to make the changes necessary. It would take a million and a half dollars. He said, okay, I'll set up a line of credit. I want you to take this railroad. You're the guy that can save my railroad, and I want it to last forever. So uh, long story short, it gets more complicated. And I did. It, it ended up being a real purchase. But uh, uh, it's a railroad with seven miles of active track, another 23 miles or so of additional track that we could do something with, which we're studying, and uh, eight steam engines and uh, eight more live steam uh, 7.5-gauge engines and uh, quite a few cars and and then a terrific uh, museum about the history of logging in Washington. So we're just really, we're going gung-ho. I closed February 1st on the purchase. We're going gung-ho. Uh, they carried 50,000 riders this last year, and uh, I, I can almost guarantee you within two years I'll have it well over 100,000 riders. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about where Mount Rainier Scenic Railroad is. Hey, where? Ski whistle. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I didn't turn off my cell phone. <laughs> That's okay. And, Anyway, I'm sorry, I apologize for that. Um, yeah, uh, it is an absolute uh, great location. It's 12 miles from Mount Rainier. Uh, during the ride, you get some great vistas of Mount Rainier, if it's not raining and cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, I t- I'll tell you, I just got back from there on Saturday. I spent a few days out there, and... and uh, I pinch myself. I'm the luckiest guy on earth. Three great railroads and a rail event company that deals with this year 56 more railroads. Uh, how's that for a a rail fan? Yeah, you've got. I, honestly, you've got the one of the ultimate jobs. Uh, I I used to always think I got the I got the one of the pick jobs because I get to talk about railroading from you know model trains all the way up to class ones and, and tourist railroads and get to see a lot of them. Um, well, but man, you've 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 got the you've got the pulse, man. Um, well, I'm I'm into the one to one scale. That's no question. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few years ago, when we we talked, you invited us uh, to out to one of your railroads, and I said, "Well, uh-huh. we'll visit we'll visit one here eventually because we're going to be going. We're we were focused on the in we were focused on Mississippi and, and Tennessee." Uh, the, la- the last two years, and then now we're you know we're in Texas and we're headed we're headed into um, eastern Tennessee and, and um, North Carolina, which opened up the um, Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, which was the second railroad that you purchased. Tell us a little bit about um, 
Bryson City and why you got um, excited about taking over the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad. Well, I've been involved in the Great Smoky now 16 or 17 years. Um, we really have worked on that business model. You know, my my whole thing is about the preservation of history, and particularly railroad history. We need to know our past, the good and the bad, if we're going to have a great future, because history is the roadmap to the future. And in railroads were really the steel ribbon that bound our United States together and the role that the railroads played in history uh, features every element of the character of mankind that made America great. So railroads are what it's all about. I had the opportunity to to buy Great Smoky right after, within a year after I bought the Durango and Silverton. And it was really some economy of scale. Uh, I have two railroads to be able to to support the kinds of activities that I wanted to to grow with. But uh, Great Smoky, you couldn't have a more beautiful ride than the Smoky Mountains. And uh, people always ask me, what's my favorite railroad? Holy cow. Let me think. Mount Rainier, the Rocky Mountains, and the Smoky Mountains. How bad is that? (laughs) Tell us a little bit. um, What makes the uh, Smokies so, the the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, so... Um, see, I I don't want to say, but a must a must ride for you. Well, uh, we do a couple of things there. You can do, uh, for example, on a regular run, we do a first class car where you can have uh, a beautiful lunch with great entree, salad, entrees, dessert. As you go through this beautiful forested land, overlooking a great river and the Smoky Mountains around us, and then these very scenic farms and and uh, little towns that you go through, and you're seeing a you know America at its best. The 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 lifeblood of America is the country. You know the cities are great. And I love the cities. But the backbone of America's greatness has always been in the country with our farms, our ranches, and and our wilderness. And that's what gave us our character. So riding the Smoky Mountain trains lets you relive uh, what is so important to the the natural heritage of this country. And so I love the Smoky Mountains. The Great Smoky Mountain Railroad is just terrific. And... When um, and just in a few minutes, we're going to actually be interviewing the mayor of Bryson City and the the uh-huh. tourism people, and then your your um, your very very well um, run manager and one of the uh, longtime employees here um, when we when we board the train here in a few minutes. But tell us a little bit um, what what. Um, what, what should we be able to see here in a few moments? Uh, well, first of all, let me let me say something about the mayor, uh, the town council, the the county commission there uh, in Bryson City. Uh, those guys have been great. They've been terrific. And obviously you want to see the beautiful town of Bryson City and visit their restaurants and so forth. We have the seventh largest Lionel collection in America. You want to go see that while you're there in town. And then the train ride itself, you go up to the Natahela Gorge and uh, see the 
I call it family-friendly whitewater rafting, which is a beautiful ride up the gorge uh, over uh, a great trestle. I don't Pardon? think they're going to be rafting today, though, in the rain. Uh, probably not. Probably not, although don't be shocked. <laughs> they figure they're wet anyway. Might as well ride. Um, you know, and I, I can't say enough about county and city government and all the great things that are going on. And uh, it's been a wonderful relationship. And I want to say something particularly. Uh, we found we formed a partnership with the city and the county there in Bryson City to rebuild Engine 1702. And we just sent out our press release today. It's official. And in July, we're going to take our first rides behind the 1702. Steam is back alive and well in Great Smoky Mountains. Yeah, so that's something to look forward to, guys, if you're listening. Um, book your reservations for uh, July middle or first? Uh, early July. I think it's early the 2nd of July. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, I'd tell you. I think it's the <laughs> 2nd of July, but but go on the website. It'll have it all on there. All uh, right. Great Smoky well, Mountain. Well, that's great. Um, guys, we're going to um, take a break here uh, for the first hour, and uh, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. When we come back, we're going to be talking with the mayor, uh, then talk with the uh chamber directors and then climb on board and talk with the operations managers and and uh, all that stuff but first we want to say thank you very much to al um for checking in with us again um we'll do this again in three years when we well make it quicker make it quicker because too much happening you got to come visit my night at my 1882 hotel i'm rebuilding in silverton at the end of our rail line you've got to see all the new new work i'm doing with cars and engines at all three railroads so uh, come back quicker most important thank you to you ted and to all your listeners for supporting this american heritage called historical scenic railroads we need you guys and thanks for being there Folks, and let me tell you, that was really, really um, a great interview. We enjoyed it very much. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to interview the mayor of Bryson City. Hear that? That's the sound of new homes being built in Windsor, Colorado. That's stores and restaurants opening. That's people punching in at a new job. And that is a freight train. A big reason why so much is happening in Weld County. I'm Weld County Commissioner Sean Conway. Over the last three years, our county has seen economic growth and job creation. I'm Jason Martinson, the Logistics Process Manager for Vestas. We're the world's leading manufacturer of wind turbines. Our four new plants in Colorado employ over 1,700 people. We built here because access to freight rail helps us move our turbines to market. When large companies like Vestas come, so do suppliers, other businesses, and more jobs. It's what economists call the ripple effect. I call it the freight rail effect. Freight rail, delivering goods and materials to every corner of America and bringing jobs and economic growth along for the ride. Visit FreightRailWorks.org. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Train Show. And today we're at the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad in Bryson City, North Carolina. And our guest, our next guest is going to be Tom Sutton. Mayor, thank you very much for joining us today. If you would, tell us a little bit um, how long you've been mayor and how long you've been a member of this community. Well, thanks for having me on today. Um, how long have I been mayor? I am in the fifth year. So that would be, this is my second term. Uh, how long have I been here? 
That goes back a ways. I've been here since 1958 when I was born about 300 yards from here. Uh, I've lived here most of my life short of uh, some military service. And what type of uh, government is uh, Bryson City? Is it a mayor council, an alderman with a president, with a city manager? Um, what type of uh, government does it have? We are mayor council with a city manager. Our city manager runs uh, things full-time, and the rest of us are just part-time. What does um, having the um, Great Smoky Mountain Railroad mean to the town of Bryson City? Uh, the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad has been a huge, huge advantage to Bryson City. It brings in thousands of people. A uh, good example, it brings in nearly 80,000 people a year just during the Polar Express period in the fall alone. A, an amazing resource for us. What, what does the city of Bryson City, um, how do they support the city government? How do they support the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad? What do they offer? Well, essentially what we do for the railroad is provide the same basic services in a way that we would for anybody. Water, sewer, power. Uh, streets, things like that. It's a little bit bigger for the train, but uh, it, it, that is our basic uh, support. Would you say the railroad is it is the number one business in in the city of Bryson as far as um, people coming into the reason that people come to Bryson City? Uh, the railroad is by far the biggest, and short of Harris Casino, it's probably the biggest in Western North Carolina. What what should a person coming to Bryson City expect um, from the, the town, the, its residents, um, the police department, the fire department? Well, uh, any resident will find out we're a friendly place. We are uh, easy to get along with, and it's a, a lot of things to keep you occupied here. Um, we've got a lot of great restaurants. We've got a lot of great scenery. We're, as we stand right now, three miles from the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Uh, great fishing. We're a trout city now. Uh, we have kayaking and rafting out in Anahela Gorge. We got everything you want. What um, is there? How does the um, Great Smoky Mountain support the city? Is it is it a tax based tourism tax or just income tax and, and sales tax? Actually, there there's many ways, uh, directly and indirectly. Of course, we have sales tax. We have property taxes. Railroad owns quite a bit of property to operate, uh, but we also have all the things that the tourists end up paying, occupancy tax at night in, in hotels, um, taxes on goods and services. It's, uh, it's a wide variety. What, what does the city resident of Bryson City give to the railroad? Well, we work for them, a lot of us. It, uh, the, um, they, they support the railroad during festivals and things like that. It, there's... There's a give and take, and I, th I think it works pretty well. If the railroad were, were to move or to leave, what would that mean for the city, the city of Bryson City? Wow, that's a, t that's a scary thought. If the railroad left, we would lose a great deal of our tourism base. We've always been a good tourist town uh, prior to, but the numbers are much bigger now. Hey, I, I don't know that we could calculate uh, accurately how much we would lose financially. And railroad tourism is a $3.8 billion industry. What is being done to increase that on the city level and uh, in cooperation with the county um, chamber and visitors and commission bureau? A local government, particularly the county, has uh, partnered with the train to bring in a, a, a new steam 
locomotive, and that'll be coming in this summer. And uh, we're all looking forward to seeing what impact that has. Uh, we think it'll be quite a bit. I, I, I'm anxious to see it. it. It's it's a beautiful community. It's not a tourist trap. I mean, there's lots of places, lots of things, you know, a wide variety of stores to see, um, some really neat uh, hotel lodging here. Um, you're in the middle of, I guess you'd say you're at the foothold, uh, foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains because you're actually at one of the entrances to the Smoky Mountains. Um, how many people do you do you interact with on a daily basis and as you walk around town? Uh, daily basis? I'm, I'm not even sure. Uh, just about everybody I see, uh, it's a small town, we all know each other, so you're always going to see your neighbors and your friends plus an untold number of visitors. I have no idea. A lot. Do you, I mean, do you, do you sit, you know, do you pull up a park bench or a, a, you know, a bench somewhere and just sit and watch and then just, you know, people that don't, you know, you don't, you're not wearing a name badge that says mayor, so they don't know who you are from Adam. And, and just ask them a few questions and say, how do you like, what's your experience with our town? Do you, do you ever do that? And, and what's some of the reactions you're getting? Sure. I, I talk to people all the time, especially on the weekends. I like to get out and uh, go to restaurants and places like that. I always ask people how, how they like their uh, experience, and we get a lot of positive feedback. I have never really had anybody uh, that didn't seem satisfied with their experience here. Well, thank you, Mira. It's been a pleasure, and thank you very much for inviting us to your beautiful community. I, I, it is a city. It's not a village. It's a city of Bryson City. We'll, we're going to take this short break, and we'll be back, and we'll talk with the Swain County Chamber Director. We'll be back after this. This is the Association of American Railroads Audio Service with a report on the way the nation's freight railroads are building for the future. As the economy grows, so does the need to move raw materials, industrial products, and consumer goods. The vital link in that chain is provided by the nation's freight railroads. And they've taken a look ahead and determined they need to invest more than $160 billion over the next 20 years to carry their share of the load. That's in addition to the more than $200 billion it will cost to maintain the system. The good news is that railroads are already investing record sums, more than $6.6 .6 billion, or almost 20% of revenues in 1999. That's a higher percentage of revenues put into capital improvements than any other industry in America. Railroad officials think they'll be able to increase those investments, thanks to the Staggers Rail Act of 1980, which freed them to compete in the market against each other and against trucks and barges. They say that law has already resulted in improved productivity, lower prices to customers, and more investment. Building on that, railroads are confident they will be able to keep up with the economy's need for even more freight transportation in the future. For the Association of American Railroads, this is Tom White in Washington. Only Donner Rails brings you exclusive railroad action entertainment, giving viewers the best seat in the house as they ride with crews of expedited freight trains over the Sierra Nevada. Check out some of our hot new titles on DVD like Cab Ride Over Donner Pass. That's good, 97 stop and stretch. See how train concepts are constructed in the famed Roseville Rail Yard. Then climb aboard an EMD SD60 freight heading east over the mighty Sierra Nevada. When severe winter storms hit the Sierra Nevada's dumping up to 35 feet of snow, look out! Here comes the flanger. 
over time you go up and you're on that flanger and you can't see the end of the engine, it will raise the hair on the back of your neck. Catch a ride with the Flanders Night Crew in Winter Rails Over Donner. See many other titles by visiting our website at www.donnerrails.com. All right, welcome back to the Let's Talk Train Show, sponsored by the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation. And, of course, today we're in Bryson City at the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad. And our next guest is Executive Director of the um, Swain County um, Chamber of Commerce, um, Karen Wilmot. Karen, thank you very much for ha- uh, coming on our show today. Tell us a little bit about your background uh, in your position and um, why you decided to uh, come to Bryson City and work for uh, the Chamber. Uh, well, I uh, am a native of Bryson City, so I grew up here, um, went to college here, school here, etc. Had a retail business in Cherokee for several years. Um, got tired of the you know 12 to 14 hour days. Uh, left that, went back to school briefly, and then just kind of ended up at the chamber uh, one January. That led, you know, over the years into a director position, and I've been there since 2006. How many times have you, have you been on the Smoky Mountain Railroad, and have you ever worked for them? I have not worked for them, except, of course, in an ancillary marketing position. Um, of course, we work very closely with the railroad in promoting all that it does here in Bryson City. Um, and as far as how many times I've ridden, uh, that would be countless times, especially considering all of the times that we take our two children and other family members on the specialty excursions, such as um, our favorite, the Pumpkin Patch or the ever-popular Polar Express. When, when a real, I want to I break this down into two different parts. When someone wants to come and visit the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, where do they stay? Where do they eat? Um, and uh, where else? What else is available to them after they get get off the the train? Okay. Um, the first half, as far as where do they stay and where do they eat, um, we have a number of excellent restaurants here in our downtown core, and of course, there's some outer line ones. Um, that offer excellent dining as well toward the Nanahala Gorge and even into Whittier. So there's not going to be a, 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 a hardship uh, as far as finding something to eat. Um, and the second part as to where they can stay, um, we have, our chamber has approximately 400 members, and I would say almost 85% of those are lodgings. Uh, that varies greatly. Um, we have some mom-and-pop hotels. We have some, a couple of franchise motels, uh, some excellent B&Bs, country inns, and then uh, the majority of it is probably uh, private uh, rental cabins. Uh, we offer rental cabins that can accommodate a large group with game rooms, fire pits, jacuzzis, hot tubs, etc., um, down to a standard cabin that you know is just basically designed for an overnight stay. If you're a rail fan and you want to come here and, and rail fan this railroad, where might there, might you rail fan? Where would you might camp out along the rails? Are there hotels that have a view of a railroad? Are there restaurants that have a railroad theme, you know, with trains in them or, or memorabilia along the walls? There are no restaurants um, that have railroad themes. However, um, within a short walking distance, there is the Choo Choo House. Um, and they have some, it's a a rental property. They do have some uh, railroad memorabilia within within their walls. 
Um, good vantage points. Um, uh, when they do the Nanahala Gorge excursion, uh, you can eat, eat at the Nanahala Outdoor Center at Riverside Restaurant or the Pour Over Pub or uh, Slow Joe's, and you can actually be there when the train arrives. So that's a great spot to be. And since you're at the footholds of the Great Smoky Mountains, what other railroading uh, things are there to do in the area? In addition to railroading or other than railroading, um, we offer, of course, unparalleled uh, outdoor activities, including whitewater rafting, kayaking, lake paddleboarding, uh, excellent fishing. We have a delayed harvest section that runs for two miles right through our downtown uh, corridor along the Tuckasegee River. Um, that is a stocked stream, and we just recently received 40,000 fish like last week, so you're always guaranteed to catch something. Um, of course, Deep Creek Recreational Area that has um, uh, picnicking and uh, a three-waterfall easy hike. You've got the Solly uh, Recreation Area toward the gorge, which offers uh, some of the best mountain biking in the southeast. So just uh, drop by the Visitor Center and pick up the the brochures and decide what you're going to do. There's plenty to choose from. How do you get here to this to this town? Uh, well, most people come in, of course, it, it depends where you're coming from. Um, if you're coming from Charlotte, uh, Raleigh, that area, then of course you're going to take I-40 west and then 74 west. Uh, we're right off 74. Uh, from Georgia, most people come in through 441, uh, through Franklin and Dillsboro. Um, however, you can also, of course, come in uh, the Murphy route. So that's a little more scenic uh, than 441. And, of course, if you come down 441 from Highway 40, you get the most windiest road in North Carolina, I believe. Because we did that last night at about 9 o'clock at night, and that was a fun, fun road. And it even curled around on itself. Not a switchback, but it actually curled around on itself at least once, I think. Although I would have to perhaps disagree with you. We have the stretch of road called uh, the Dragon. Um, which is, uh, what is that, I-29, it's Deals Gap, um, and they offer 318 curves in 11 miles. So it's a motorcycles, uh, motorcycle enthusiast's paradise. Well, thank you very much, Karen, for coming down this morning. Um, the conductor has signed to the all aboard, so we'll get on board here and we'll continue our journey. All right, thank you very much, Karen. We'll be back after this break. North Carolina, this is the Let's Talk Train Show. We're at the Great Smoky Mountain River. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Train Show, sponsored by the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation. And, uh, this is Shuttle Train Ted, and uh, we're aboard the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad in Bryson City. We've just left the Bryson City Depot, headed east, I believe, um, and uh, 
we're in the, I guess you'd say parlor car, the um, diner slash lounge car. Um, we're just left the depot. We just passed a couple of cars that were uh, along the road. We're being, this is the first, um, the, um, this is the first trip of the season for the car. And we're in the Carolina Shine, and we'll learn more about that car and a couple of the other first-class cars and a couple of the other cars, including the engine that is pulling us today. Um, we've invited, uh, we were invited here by Alan Harper, who spoke to us in the first uh, hour of the show. Alan is the president and CEO of the um, uh, American Heritage Railways, uh, which owns the Great Smoky Mountains, the Ringo Soldier, and now the Mount Rainier. So we... Um, of course, he wanted us to come down and take a ride on it, and uh, he told us that uh, he was going to put the number one person um, in the group that runs the down here on board with us to kind of help us learn a little bit about the, more about the railroad, the cars, the, the trip that we're actually going to take, and uh, we uh, let's just let's just bring in Kim. Kim, come. Kim, come on over, and um, first of all, man, you got great weather. The weather cleared just as we had left the station. No more rain. Um, it, as I said earlier, it was a driving rainstorm coming down here Thursday, and uh, this morning it was a little bit rainy, but it looks like it's just kind of disappeared. Is that is that because of the, <laughs> the Smoky Mountains? Well, I, I hope that spring is here, definitely. Um, we're ready for some, some green on the trees, and grass growing again because this is such a lush beautiful green area um, in western North Carolina but um, with it it being spring and we are now that we're in March we are running Fridays and Saturdays um, uh, headed to Dillsboro on the Tuckasegee River excursion today and um, yes we are riding in um, a car that we recently renovated and uh, named it the Carolina Shine this car um, we're not going to experience it today, but typically on a full passenger day, this is a moonshine tasting car as well. So passengers would be served a full barbecue um, meal and have uh, six samples of Junior Johnson's moon, Midnight Moon Moonshine uh, during the trip. So it, this this is a very happy car as we get underway typically. Well, describe a little bit, just as we're pulling on the station, we're along a river. And it's a little bit full today from all the rain that we've had the last couple of days. What's the name of the river and what's its significance to the area? Uh, this is the Takasiji River. Um, this is one of the rivers that flow into uh, Lake Fontana. So um, very, it's, it's, you can see it is a very green river, um, wide in um, several, several areas. There's lots of trout fishing in the Takasiji River. Um, and it flows west. It flows west okay. to, uh, toward the Fontana Lake Reservoir. Is it um, is is um, is it a kayaking river or a boating river? It it is um, what I would refer to as a family float trip river. Um, lots of tubing going on. There is some some rafting and kayaking, but not a lot of white water activity. That's why it's more of a slow float trip. Is there a possibility that you can partner with another thing to have a floating and railroading 
uh, bookings like that? Yeah, we actually do. Um, on the western part of our trip, when you go to the Nantahala Gorge, we have two um, rafting outfitters that we have partnerships with, Wildwater Limited and the Nantahala Outdoor Center, and they offer a train and raft combination meal. Um, we also, in addition to the train and raft, we have a train and a zipline trip. We have a train and a jeep tour. So, um you know, lots of activities that are, are available in addition to a train ride. Tell us a little bit about our concerts today. What What's pulling us first? I'll start, I'll start off in the very front. front end. It's a diesel. It's a diesel today. I, you know, I didn't look to see what number um, is uh, pulling us, but I'm sure Tony Franklin could talk to us a little bit more about that um, as well. But we are being pulled by diesel today. And Alan just, as I said, Alan just earlier announced that the steam uh, engine will be coming out of retirement um, and joining us in middle of July. In July. July um, 22nd is the date slated to actually start um, selling a, a steam experience train ride. And um, we are restoring our 1702 Baldwin locomotive um, now in our locomotive shop in Dillsboro. It is a 280 consolidation um, that was originally built by Baldwin for the U.S. Army in 1942. So we have um, a crew of six men from machinists to welders um, and a uh, contractor that is there for, with Steam Services of America that is guiding us along the way in addition to Jeff, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Steve Jackson who um, comes to us in assistance from American Heritage Railways who uh, restored many, many locomotives at the Durango and Silverton before he retired. Talk a little bit about um, the importance of having a steam locomotive on the train. Well, it, you know, we we had steam up until 2005, and there is a there's a a different feel in the air, the, the sound, the smell, the excitement that that steam engine, when it's fired up, brings to the excursion. So we're very excited to be able to bring that back. Um, we really feel that it's going to grow our ridership base. Currently, we are carrying about 180,000 passengers a year, so we do anticipate some ridership growth when the steam locomotive comes back online. Um, because there's, uh, quite frankly, there's there's some people who don't want to ride diesel. They're they're holding out for that steam locomotive experience. So when we're as we're headed east here, are we where are we in the Smoky Mountain area? Are we in a valley? Are we on, on in the middle of the the mountain? Or are we on top of the mountain? Where where? Yeah. Are we? I would say we're in we're definitely in the valley. Um, most of our excursions. To the east or the west, follow the river gorges. Um, we our safety regulations are being talked to us over here. So we're we're in western the western part of North Carolina, very close to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, very close to the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, and a, a very nice driving distance um, by highway to Atlanta, Greenville, um, Asheville, North Carolina, Knoxville, Tennessee. So we're we're in a, a a beautiful area that has terrific highway systems to get here to ride with us. No, let's get back to the cars for a second. 
Um, the there's a talk a little bit about the different classes of cars that you have. Okay, we have um, actually four classes of cars. For example, like t today, we're riding in a first class car that would include um, a, a private attendant um, that is kind of a, like a historian that rides along with you, serves a, f a three course meal during the trip, and um, there's beverage service available um, throughout the trip. So this class would receive um, a souvenir tumbler that they would take home with them and a gift bag that g comes along with their ticket purchase. Um, and again, that private attendant that's with you throughout the trip to take care of you um, for the full four and a half hours. Um, we also have, so we have four uh, first class cars. We have four crown coach cars, which is the second level of seating. It's um, well appointed. All of our crowns um, have just been renovated in the last two years. And uh, they also have a private attendant um, beverage service that is included. There is bar service available on those cars as well. Um, no meal is served, but it's your very close walking distance to the um, concessions car from the crown coach level. Um, we also have standard coach seating, um, which would be considered an open-air car, um, an open-air gondola. Um, and we have several of those that are built from old Amtrak baggage cars. We also have um, a fleet of standard coaches that have windows that open and shut, ceiling fans. Um, it's good. It's the, the base ticket, and, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, a price point that's available for all ages at a $50 price point. Do you, I guess what I'm saying is, which, which, uh, <laughs> Which is the most popular class? Oh, first class. Our first class is our, one of our most popular. Um, in the summertime, Crown is very popular as well because it is air conditioned and it can become quite muggy and um, hot in this area in in the summer. What? That's my. That leads up to my next question. What's your operating? This is the first day. What's your operating season like? I mean, go go from extremes. Is it you know snow? 12 degrees to you know, 150. Uh, uh, yes, all the above. <laughs> now, um, in the winter time, we do um, typically get quite a bit of snow. That's why in January and February we're really running Saturdays only on very limited schedule. Um, fortunately, now that we're in spring, um, two days a week for the month of March. Um, for April and May, we're at a five-day-a-week operation. So we ramp up slowly, um, getting ready for the tourist season that does really come on us when um, school is out in, you know, in June and families are traveling. So we have lots of families um, riding with us June through um, August until school starts back. Um, we have uh, the month of September is a perfect time to ride because it's, it's not too crowded. And then when we get to the last quarter of the year, October is um, the leaf viewers are, are out, and that's one of our highest passenger count attendance um, during the month of October. We run three trains a day um, to handle the demand of the passengers who want to come and ride and, and see the, the, the leaves and the changing of the colors. And then we go right into November and December when we start our Polar Express event, November 7th, um, and we are full-on Polar Express all the way to the new year. Talk about the the um, relevance things. You have the Easter Beagle, the Halloween train. You have the new um, the new one that just got started. I think it's a Durango, and I think you got the first one here. The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz. Yes. 
Um, we we do a lot of special events. Um, Mr. Harper's vision with uh, American Heritage Railway is to take it more than just a train experience and to bring in families with children and introduce them to railroading, um, something that they might not do otherwise. So the best way to do that is to bring in a brand. And everybody knows Snoopy and Lucy and Charlie Brown. Um, we have a terrific um, event um, coming up for Easter where you'll ride um, the Easter Beagle Express and kids on the train will have um, you know activities on board and Easter egg hunt. Um, not only do we have the, the three characters on um, with us, but we have bunnies and just a lot of um, activities and coloring for the kids to do. So we take that brand and we also have a really nice um, pumpkin patch event in the fall um, three days a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at an, an event field that we have. So you'll ride the train and, and get off at a destination and spend two hours at the pumpkin patch. Anything from apple bobbing to, you know, pick your own pumpkin, apple uh, carving. Um, our, our special events crew gets very creative and um, come up with lots of different activities for kids to do. Um, taking a step back a little bit, we do have a really nice summer um, event as well, which is the dinosaur train. So, you know, all kids love dinosaurs and all kids love trains, so the, the combination has worked for us for several years. Yeah, the dinosaur train on, is a real popular thing on PBS, and then um, the new one, uh, the Chuggington. Chuggington. We do have the the Chuggington brand. Um, we were the very first event here in uh, Bryson City that held the Chuggington event as a, for a test market. And I, you know, I don't know a lot about what it's doing for relevance right now, if they're traveling with that um, event or not. Did we just heard the announcement for the concession car. That's what describe what it is, where it is on the train, what type of car it is. Is it a, a regular passenger car? Um, the concessions car, in its previous life, was a dormitory. Um, one end was were, were bunks, and the other end was a, a a service kitchen for staff on board the train. So we have renovated that car to to better fit our need and have more like of a, a, a dining car on one end with bar stools and countertops. And then on the, the other end, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of the original stainless is in the car. And we have anything from, you know, chips and nachos and pizza, anything some, someone's going to look for, for for lunch. And then we do pre-order lunches as well. So if you, you know, you know in advance you want to order a barbecue meal or a hot dog meal with us, we take care of you there as well. The bridge that we just went over, the, the Tuskegee River, what, what is it a very long bridge? Is it an old bridge, historic bridge? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I didn't know it was a bridge until I saw Also, I, I looked behind me, and there's a there's a bridge support behind me, and I looked across the across the car, and, yeah, there was a bunch of bunch of supports. I'm like, oh, we must be going over the river. Um, this car is really, really impressive. I mean, the tintype ceiling, the air-conditioned vents, you're, you feel like you've stepped back into the the 40s and 30s and and even earlier. I mean, it's almost like, and of course, Durango. The Durango option is a even older type of cars, but you know the dome, the clear domes, and hopefully, you know, Al's going to bring the the clear domes, one of the clear domes here, eventually, um, if you can find another car. But 
we're getting ready to cross one of the main roads through town here, through the woods. That was, you know what? That was the Ela trestle. Ela. Now I'm seeing where we are. We're at the Ela crossing, so that was the Ela trestle that we did cross over. And the direction that we're traveling, and, and I forget the name of the, the how you identify it is between Takasiji. Takasiji. Um, this is a unique train because um, trip because the railroad was this uh, L.A. Hollywood came to the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad a few years ago. Tell us a little bit about that. It did. We we filmed um, the famous wreck scene from the feature film The Fugitive. Um, which is a Warner Brothers um, movie, and that train wreck scene happened over a course of several months um, and takes where they actually performed a true train wreck. Um, Tony Franklin is going to be a great person for you to talk to about that because he was involved in working for Warner Brothers at the, at the time and can talk to you about the, whole, the, the sequence on how they planned the wreck train um, and the explosives that took place. But also, we're, we're going to pass the wreck site, so you can still see the whole of the locomotive and some of the wreckage that's there that a lot of folks are still very, very interested in um, knowing about. And why haven't they cleaned it up? Oh, well, it's an attraction. I mean, it's, 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 it's something that folks really do want to see during the trip. We have people that will try to drive down to that site because they're so interested in the fugitive. Part of it there. Burn up, burn up buildings and, and RVs and stuff. Um, it's it's real simple to get here. Talk, if you would talk about your price structure for 2016, since it's come since we're we're on the first train, it's affordable for a family. Um, it's children's rates, adult rates, child rates um, are thirty four dollars for a coach ticket. Adult rates are fifty two for a coach ticket, um, and then it goes up from there to uh, to to crown and then first class um, that includes a meal so you're at a hundred and hundred and five a hundred and six dollars first class with a meal and and amenities for a four and a half hour round trip and um talk a little bit how do you do you cook on board are the meals uh, produced on board we do yeah i'd be happy to take you back and show you the the kitchen we do have a full kitchen um and a, a staff that run that kitchen for first class meal service ovens range um it was originally a coal burning um kitchen and we did have to do some modernization to to be able to serve um up to 200 passengers at a time if 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 our first class cars are all all on board and sold out so we're serving 200 meals out of that kitchen at a time let's um we're we're going through some hist I guess it's farmland. Yeah, lots of rural area. Rural area farmland. Is it active working farms or is it just weekend getaways now? No, there uh, there are several farmers along this route um, from tobacco to strawberries and tomatoes, depending right, depending on the season. Coming into a curve where you can see the entire length of our train. We call this curve the spillovers, and this is the largest collection of natural waterfalls on the Tuckasegee River. This is also the southwest corner of the Cherokee Reservation land, also known as the Koala Boundary, home to the Cherokee Indians. English 
is the primary language spoken, but the Cherokee language is taught throughout all grade levels of the education system on the reservation. So we actually do go through a Cherokee River, a Cherokee Indian Reservation. Folks, you should see this. It's just like the rapids, the plateaus, fall from one level to another. Not real steep, but just gradual. It's really, really a classic Smoky Mountain picture. And we make the whole full curve. And the river's fairly wide here, too. We have a yellow and black engine pulling us. There it looks like one, two, three, four, six cars in front of us, and four or five in back of us. Again, it's a cloudy day. The rain has stopped. Um, so this is the leftover clouds. It's a perfect day to come. I mean, it's not sunny. It's not too hot. It's not that windy. Um, Jim, how did you just start get started here? I was a senior in high school when the rumor was that the train is coming to town and there's a you know an opportunity for employment. So. Um, I came to Dillsboro and picked up an application, and at the time I was also working across the street in Bradley's General Store, which is an old-timey soda fountain. So that was 27 years ago, um, and I started out as a an attendant on board the trains and, and talked with folks about the rivers and the mountains and what they would see and made, made sure that they were comfortable during their trip and boarding and deboarding, um, offering assistance with that, and um, eventually went to the reservations department um, became reservations manager, and uh, from reservations manager, I became the personal assistant to the owner at that time, Malcolm and Joan McNeil. Um, and then uh, when they sold, I took over the marketing department and ran the marketing department for about six years. Um, and then we had a change in general management, and I've been the general manager since 2005. What about um, you're the general manager, so? Can you run a train? Can I run a train? Um, I like to ride. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's a lot of fun to sit up in the locomotive with those gentlemen and and see what they see on the front end uh, of the trip. So it, I, I I can definitely say I've done that and rode on the back of the steam engine up on the on the on the uh, uh, on the tank car. So. Well, I told Al, I said you need to put a. Uh, a GoPro camera up front, and then hook it, hook it back into, and put up a little monitor in each one of the cars so that people can see, just like the Amtrak does That's when you, idea. when you, when you have the, you know, because Amtrak even on their inspection cars they have a car that shows the GPS of where they're at, and how fast they're going, the direction, and then they have actual cameras mounted right at the, the, the coupler's light, uh -huh. so that they can, you can see the cars and see the track. Yeah, that's a neat idea. Remember. <laughs> um, and get your web camera back working yeah. so people can go to the website, book a car, see the train, and of course the website is? GSMR.com, GreatSmokyMountainsRailroad.com or GSMR.com. You can get to us either way. Well, there's lots of different places, and of course you can use the all-famous Google, too. Absolutely. To <laughs> um, 
All right, well, we're going to take a break here. Um, we're going to continue our eastward trip a little bit, and we come back. We'll continue our interview with uh, Kim and uh, find out a little bit more about exactly where we are and where we're headed. We'll be back after this. Join us and help us make the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation better than ever. Your membership will help us further enhance our exhibits and attractions in north-central Missouri, including the Let's Talk Train Show. Our goal is to set up a museum dedicated to passenger rail history, including Amtrak, located in La Plata, Missouri. Memberships and contributions from friends like you will help us achieve this goal. For more information about the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation, membership, and opportunities available, visit our website, www.aprhf.org. Are you tired of having to click and click and click to watch train videos on the web? Well, why don't you do what I did and give your fingers a break? TheRailChannel.com has great shows every week. They show contemporary and vintage programs that focus on real railroading and model railroads. If it runs on rails, I'm sure you'll find it on the Rail Channel. The programs are updated every Monday, and best of all, you can sit and watch it in full screen with only one click. Head on over to therailchannel.com right now. That's all one word, therailchannel.com. Watch it. Operation Lifesaver presents a 60-second lesson in common sense. Deodorant is not a shower. It's wrong to feed a baby salsa. Don't wear a kilt on a windy day. Never ask a bride why she's wearing white. Don't keep mouthwash next to the antifreeze. Heave on hoe, not on heave. Don't sniff a green sausage. Close your mouth when you hang glide. Don't tap dance on the roof in an ice storm. Don't go swimming in leather pants. If you're in a parade, wave. Never eat a burrito before a road trip. Don't wear lace to a rodeo. One's a malt ball, one's a moth ball. Always walk with pie. Never practice nunchucks in a crowded room. Never leave a plant near the litter box. Don't buy sushi on sale. Flowers with thorns make lousy corsages. Don't put a knock-knock joke in a eulogy. Cherry chapstick doesn't taste as good as it smells. Always take your shirt off before you iron it. Do I look fat? The answer is no. And most importantly, never, ever, ever forget your common sense around railroad tracks. A train can come from any direction, on any track, at any time. A message from Operation Lifesaver. Visit commonsenseuseit.com. All right, welcome back to the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation's Let's Talk Train Show. We're coming back right as we pass an old baggage car and a box car. And this is our location for um, Polar Express. Polar Express, so we're what is known as North Pole. Yeah, this is AKA the North Pole, um, very small town of Whittier, North Carolina, that we're passing through now. This, and we're, we're you're you're listening to Kim. She's the general manager of the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, one of the American Heritage Railways. Um, Three now three uh, operations, and we're in the town of Whittier, which is an old railroad town. Um, a lot of old old railroad houses. Um, it's fit the part. I mean, these are not recreated. These are still from the old days of when they switched crews here. Behind you is an old um, inn, and then on down to the right, after we cross through this crossing, there's another um, railroad inn as well. Now. Like Durango does with the biking, I mean, there's obviously we just because I just thought about this. Do you have a capability to do a bike? Is there a bike trail around here where you could bring bikers one way or the other, like they do up in the national park in in uh, 
um, the, the, the the scenic railroad up in near Cleveland. Yeah, there is a a lot of mountain biking in um, the western part of our route on the, along the Nantahala Gorge, um, and there are bike trails um, in that area specifically for for mountain biking. We don't offer the trip where you can put your bike on the train. Um, we've we've talked about the idea and the concept. Um, but there's, this is definitely a very popular area. You know, we also ca uh, cross the Appalachian Trail, so a lot of hiking um, uh, that, that's out in the Nantahala area as well with the Appalachian Trail crossing. I didn't know that the Appalachian Trail crossed here through on this railroad. Um, I'm learning a lot, and that's what's really cool. And I did a lot of <laughs> a little bit of background before I I mean, it's a couple of years ago when we first we first ran into uh, Al Harper. Um, now we're under going underneath. I guess 441. This is uh, US 74. US 74, which is the east-west river, uh, east-west uh, crossing. East. Um, yes, it's east and west. So you're in the eastern time zone. Your trip started. This this trip started at 11 o'clock. Um, boarding started at 10:30. Um, you get to the town where the end the end of this trip. You get to, to the town where the you get off for a couple hours. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pull into uh, the town of Dillsboro. It's a small little mountain town. Lots of um, unique craft shops, um, several restaurants, um, a nice little brick cobblestone friendly uh, walkabout town. Um, there's an historic inn there, the Jared House, um, and uh, we're going to stay there for an hour and 25 minutes for a layover. So it gives folks enough time to, to go out and venture out a little bit. Um, there's a chocolate shop there that uh, definitely should try, but barbecue, lot, lots going on in, uh, in the town of Dillsboro. It's, uh, it's kind of reinventing itself. Um, for, for a number of years, there were some, some stores on the front street that were closed up, but um, when we'll roll in there today, just about every shop is now full and and uh, storefronts opening and 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 thriving again. What if this train was full? It had a full concept. Oh, if this train was full, how many people could you put on board? Um, seven hundred. Seven hundred comfortably with every seat sold out. For example, when we run the Polar Express and we have a sold out. All class, we have all 15 um, passenger coaches that are sold. So where do you find the people to work for the tra work the train? Um, what the, what are some of the different positions that uh, a person, a real rail fan that wanted to come to work for a real railroad, um, if if they wanted to come to work for the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, what kind of positions were would would be available? Um, concessions, lots of food and beverage positions cleaning, ticket agents, reservations. We have a, a full-time call center in addition to the online reservations. Um, we do have uh, quite, a, quite a large operations crew from engineers, brakemen, um, shop maintenance, welders, machinists. Um, we have uh, seasonal employment for conductors and rear brakemen. And um, our maintenance of way, we have our, we have our own track gang crew um, that is responsible for the for the track and the right-of-ways and we have 10 positions in that department um, that are out constantly maintaining the track and as I'd mentioned to you earlier um, as we prepare for our steam locomotive we are laying a mile of um, new 135 pound rail out in the Nantahala Gorge 
in the tightest curves um, to hold the hold the gauge while that locomotive goes through there this this summer. And where do they live? Do they do you uh, you know is there lodging available here in town that you would, you know you know could rent or that you know are there private private or do they just live around the area? Yeah, lots from the area. We do have folks who will commute up to 30, 40 minutes um, to work each day. Um, folks from Robbinsville, Franklin. Um, I can think of two employees on here today who drive from Silva, Franklin, and Robbinsville. So uh, we're recruiting a lot of employees from Bryson City, um, but to get the qualified staff that we need, we do we do reach out to surrounding towns. And that was Kim Albrighton. Um, she's the executive director of the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad. So she's a wonderful lady and very knowledgeable. Um, she's come up through the organization, so she's you know learned how to do things uh, really, really well. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to one of the conductors. We'll be back after this. This is the Association of American Railroads Audio Service, and today we're reporting on the early days of America's railroads. When the first railroads began operating in the United States in 1830, the entire nation had a population of a little less than 13 million people. Most of them lived in communities or on farms huddled near the Atlantic coast or along navigable rivers that fed into it. Inland, there were great natural resources, good land for farming, forests enough to provide shelter for millions, mineral wealth beyond imagination. But those resources were largely untapped. In fact, the entire region west of the Mississippi River had a population less than that of today's Richmond, Virginia. The railroad would change all of that. As tracks were laid west from the Atlantic, new towns sprang up. Industry and commerce developed agricultural production increased. Mountains, rivers, distance, these were no longer insurmountable barriers to trade and travel. Railroads conquered them all and in the process helped transform the United States from an agrarian society into a mighty industrial giant that spanned an entire continent. For the Association of American Railroads, this is Tom White in Washington. Missouri, Welcome back to the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation's Let's Talk Train Show. Not to, uh, we're, today we're at the American Heritage Railways, Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, and uh, we're on board the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad, headed eastbound, and our conductor, Tony Franklin, um, is graciously taking a moment of his time to... Um, Find out, you know, give us a little bit more insight on the railroading part into this part of the operation. Tony, thank you very much for joining us. First of all, how long have you been involved in GSM, and were you a railroader before? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for uh, speaking with us today, and most importantly, thank you for riding with us. Uh, I've got about 26 years in in railroading time. 
Uh, this was my first railroad career, and it, it's just kind of grown on me. I've uh, got it in my blood and can't get it out. What's the difference from when you first started to now? What, what What's changed? Uh, we've gotten uh, a lot more passioners. Uh, we keep growing every year, which is great. We we always like to see more and more people come out and enjoy our scenery, enjoy the old ways of railroading. A lot of our cars are from the 1920s to the 1940s, so this is a great way for you to come out and enjoy railroading the way it used to be. What's the What's the best direction to go? Is it the east tri trip or the west trip? They all have advantages. There is no good side. There is no good uh, direction. They all have different opportunities, whether you're uh, wanting to go through the uh, farming communities. A lot of these small communities grew up around railroading. Or if you want to see uh, the lake, uh, we have uh, different areas on our track. We've done different parts of different movies. So there's all sorts of opportunities to view different things. So it's never the same. When you Today we're being pulled by an, a diesel. In uh, two months you'll have the steam engine back. Talk a little bit about what that means for you as a railroader to see steam come back to the railroad. Well, for me personally, I have a personal interest in the steam because, uh, and this is my own personal opinion, but there is no comparison between steam and diesel. Uh, I've been fortunate enough over the years, I've been a part of the diesel and the steam program, so I know both really well. Uh, steam engines just seem to have more of a life. They're more of a living creature than, say, a diesel. I, I, diesels are nice, and they can really certainly get the job done, but there's just nothing taken away from a uh, steam engine. They're a total different beast. What's your favorite time on the railroad? I want to say right now, even though it's one of our busiest times, the Polar Express. To have the kids come out and be a part of uh, the movie, The Polar Express, which we try to stay as close as we can to the actual movie, get to come out and meet Santa Claus and come out in their pajamas and just have a great time. And then we, every once in a while we'll, we'll get a season where we get a lot of snow, and that just adds to the beauty and the, the whole atmosphere. Does um, Is there a certain time with a certain person, a group? I mean, is it mostly senior citizens? Is it mostly families? How has um, Al change the demographics of the ridership here in the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad? Well, we've certainly centered a lot of our uh, events towards uh, bringing the younger generation back into understanding railroading and really uh, learning to be a part and getting to experience something that uh, for years people took for granted was the railroad. Uh, but we see all factions of uh, people from all walks of life and all age groups. It's a great time for anyone. What type of event it's been the most special here on the train. Weddings, life celebrations. What what kind of what kind of stands out in your some on some of your favorite trips? Uh, all the events are really nice. Uh, a lot of times we do have Make a Wish Foundation. Those uh, are always special events. We try to do the very best and give them the best experience possible. A lot of those stand out. I've really been blessed to be able to be a part of a lot of those. I do a lot of work with the uh, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts of America I love working with the children on that aspect of helping them get their required uh, merit badge for the railroading merit badge program. Uh, and there again, just all of our children's events. It's it's always great to see the children when they see a train and their eyes get real big and they just light up and just really enjoy themselves. What what do you think that you're going to do five years from now? Will you still be here? If we come back in five years, would you will you still be here? Or will you have a gray beard and 
and be sitting in a rocking chair waving at everybody at the station. Five more years, I'll still be here. Uh, hope to look forward to seeing you folks come back. And if I have the beard, it'll be because I want to get more into the Polar Express. All right. Well, Jim and Tony, or Tony sorry, um, thank you very much for um, talking with us. We'll let you get back to your conductor duties. And uh... All right. That was our interview with the conductor on board the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad um, today as we rode down, uh, rode it. I want to thank the Great Smoky Mountain Railroad and uh, all the staff, everyone, uh, from the ticket takers, the servers, to the uh, car host, to the engineers, um, the executive director, to the conductors. They did a wonderful job welcoming us. Welcome. And uh, we really appreciate it. We thank the American Heritage Railways um, President Al Harper for inviting talking with us a little bit about this. This show was recorded on uh, Friday, um, the first day of uh, the service um, for the 2016 season. Um, production assistance was provided by Verizon Wireless and Holiday Express in um Cherokee, North Carolina. Until next time, thanks very much for joining us. We'll see everybody later. Now available, 3D Train Stuff's new Donner Pass route, the High Sierra Crossing for Microsoft Train Simulator. This new add-on features a 90-mile segment of Southern Pacific's scenic overland route, which runs over the High Sierra Mountains between Colfax, California, and Truckee, California. And it's set back in the 1950s at the height of the steam and diesel transition period. Yes, now you can step back in time and learn firsthand what it took to get a heavy fruit block train over the hill from the engineer's seat of a big AC cab forward mallet or pull helper service duty with one of SB's famous 280 consolidations. Or maybe you prefer running an express mail train on a very tight schedule with some SP Black Widow funnets. Yes, it's a blast from the past. To learn more about this exciting new product, please visit our website at www.3dtrainstuff.com or call us at 1-760-728-1787. That's 760-728-1787. 3D Train Stuff. It's more than just trains. Trainparty.com, the one-stop shopping center for all things trains and parties for kids of all ages. Trainparty.com is a complete resource for the train-themed party supplies, favors, toys, and gifts. Trainparty.com has over 700 railroad-related party items to choose from. Themes such as Amtrak Train, Little Chug Party, Whistle Stop Party, and many more make it simple to select a theme and get your party rolling down the rails. Items available include partyware, games, puzzles, balloons, piñatas, invitations, locomotive engineer costumes, hats, railway series children's books, train cake pans, cupcakes, etc. Don't forget now, trainparty.com on the web for any of your train-themed party needs from start to finish. It's the only place you need to go to get what you want and need. Check it out now, trainparty.com.
listening to this week's Let's Talk Train show. Join us next week as we continue along the line talking trains. Remember, you can listen to this and other previously aired shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, by visiting our website at letstalktrains.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and remember, the Let's Talk Train show is produced and copyrighted by the American Passenger Rail Heritage Foundation. To learn more about the APRHF, visit their website at aprhf.org.